Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. With a decade of experience working in team operations in the corporate world, working in some of the most influential companies across tech and finance, including Google, Microsoft, Apple, and Bank of America, Leah Garvin has seen what it takes to create high-performing teams and what gets in their way. As the workplace continues to change at a rapid pace, a new generation enters the workforce, we face a looming recession and we navigate hybrid and distributed work. You might be wondering, how do I set up my team for lasting success? That's where Leah comes in. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Have you been wanting to launch your podcast and just haven't found the right resources? I launched Master Leadership Podcast in 2016, and it now ranks in top 1% globally. I've gathered all I've learned and created Master Your Podcast in a Weekend course on Master Your Swag app so that you have everything you need to share your voice with the world, minus those excuses. So download Master Your Swag app on Google or Apple platforms to access the Master Your Podcast course and launch your podcast this weekend. Welcome, Leah Garvin. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, you look great. I'm excited to have you on. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? Yes, I am. Oh, awesome. All right. So Leah, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Yeah. So my path to leadership began as a project and program manager, really working with teams to figure out deliverables and milestones and project timelines. And as I was doing that kind of work, the same themes kept coming up for me that Before we could tackle like how to get things done, we had to figure out the people stuff, like why people weren't communicating or roles and responsibilities or how to establish psychological safety so that people could share if there was a risk or if something wasn't working. And initially I'll say in product teams, this observation that I would share wasn't always well received. Folks would say, you know, let's just focus on the work and the people stuff later. And the soft skills, um, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Look at Leah Throw with the soft skills. <laughs> Leah, again, with the soft skills, trying to distract everybody. And, and over time, as I really you know, stayed firm on my belief that this was really the, the missing piece to having high quality work and effective teams, I started to be able to get more and more buy-in around the importance of figuring out the people side of, of the work, making sure there was team community and camaraderie. And I was able to build that more and more into the way that I do program management and operations and really lead and inspire others to do the same. And I was able to 
really build that out within the companies I was working in, doing workshops around team effectiveness and um, how to foster stronger team dynamics and set team norms around communications and, and working processes and do a lot of writing on medium and different forums around team dynamics. And then over the last two years or so, I started writing a book around some of how to overcome some of the challenges that we face in the workplace and where we get stuck and how to use the power of reframing to break through those. Um, and, and I also work externally as a, as a consultant, working with teams on diving into these things. What are the things getting in their way from being the best? How to build inclusive teams, how to foster belonging. And, and you know, as we look at the next phase of what we're calling kind of future of work, returning to office, helping drive engagement and making sure inclusion is a big piece of that as well. And so you certainly are a people person. Your story is really interesting. So you started and you understood the value of adding value to people a long time ago. And so it led you to eventually getting some frameworks, yeah. skills, some tips together. And so you wrote this book. Tell us about your book. Unstuck is a, I would say a guidebook or a toolkit really for people that keep feeling stuck in different situations in the workplace. And it's aimed at women in the workplace. Really anybody falls into these same traps around dealing with feedback or comparison or decision-making or negotiating. And I dive into 12 of these challenges and explore how to use the power of reframing to overcome them. And so if you're looking at something like feedback, a typical reason we get stuck is we think feedback is just criticism, right? We only hear it when something's wrong or it means someone doesn't like something about us or it means we can't get anything right. Now that's a perspective. And if we open ourselves up to other perspectives, other ways of looking at feedback, we see that, well, it's actually just a data point. It's an insight into how we're being perceived by someone else. It often says more about what that person wants and their preferences and how they work than it says about us. And then we can start to build more confidence and more resilience and comfort around both hearing feedback, actioning it, giving feedback by shifting that perspective. And so what I encourage folks to run through is looking at why we're getting stuck. What are those patterns that we keep falling into that are getting in our way? And to say, okay, well, how else can we look at this so that more is available for ourselves to push forward? This is deep work and super important work. So where can we connect with you? Because we a lot of us need this. <laughs> yeah. Check out the book. The book's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target. Our books are sold. The full title is Unstuck. Reframe your thinking to free yourself from the patterns and people that hold you back. Love it. And you can find it online. Um, check out my website, leahgarvin.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Love to connect with folks there. I also have a YouTube channel called Reframe with Leah, where I share shorter videos around some of these topics, feedback, inner critic, negotiating, and then on Instagram at leah.garvin. Super important work. So it's leahgarvin, G-A-R-V-I-N.com. Yeah, Thank you. Exactly. All right. So as a lifelong learner, Leah, what are you learning right now? I am learning a lot about patience. Um, <laughs> is this someone... <laughs> That's a popular one, by the way. I think as a mom of a toddler, yeah. Wait till they become teenagers. Oh. <laughs> I know. I'll be learning that one right for the next 10 years. Um, <laughs> mom of a toddler, someone working on a side hustle, launching a business, entrepreneur, working on a book, putting a lot of content out in the world, really sort of 
settling into the present and being patient and like just really getting in touch with enjoying the process is something I've really been learning on a personal level. You know, on a more professional level, I always have about four different audiobooks or books I'm reading going on at the same time. Uh, really enjoying Daniel Pink's new book, The Power of Regret, and how, you know, as an overthinker, <laughs> regret something that's a common theme in my brain and how to really learn from things that we either wish we had done and hadn't or wish turned out differently and how to use that to create change as opposed to getting stuck in a cycle of rumination. Now, I'm interested because I read several books at the same time. I don't have a system yet. What is it that you do? Do you have a book in every room or do you rotate them on your nightstand or is it audio? Do you rotate that? Tell us, how do you do this? I usually read on Kindle one book at a time. And so right now I'm reading the fiction book, Project Hail Mary. It's like a science fiction. But then on audiobook, that's where I'll have maybe three different ones going on at the same time. And I think because it's a different voice reading it, and I love ones that are read by the author, I can compartmentalize it because I have sort of multiple senses going as I'm listening. So I like to listen to a few at a time, but I think if I'm reading on paper a few at a different time, that sort of gets confusing in my mind. So thank you, because we needed those tips. I know that there are (laughs) a bunch of us that are overachievers and reading is a great way to go. I love my audiobooks. I think I have an addiction. I don't know. If you're in one and you don't love it, do you stop it or do you go all the way to the end? Because you're No, I stop it if I don't love it. The problem is sometimes the books are good, but the voice just doesn't resonate with me. And so sometimes that's an issue. Yeah. So will your book be on audio as well? Yes, it will. Depending on timing, it's it's either out already or coming soon, but yeah, we'll have audio. Fantastic. All right. Let's get back into leadership. So when you think about leadership today, What most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? What most concerns me is leaders thinking they already know what people want, what people need, what people are going to want as we move out of the next phase of work following the pandemic or living with the pandemic, whatever that's going to look like. And I think, you know, I saw early last year as things were starting to normalize, a lot of talk around return to office and let's set up norms. Let's do this when we have no idea what it's going to be like when we get to this next phase. So we're jumping to conclusions and setting up a bunch of processes and ideas based on having really no idea how this workforce that has been changing and evolving over the last two years is really going to respond to it. And so that really worries me that the jumping to the conclusions, probably really well-intended, wanting to have people feel supported, wanting to have people feel that there's a plan, but I worry that could be then resistant to change and feedback and iteration because a lot of time has been spent on it. And so even the language we're using, you know, return to office, well, return to a situation that I think people have been pretty vocally out there saying wasn't working. And I know a lot of people don't want to return to that. We want to reinvent, we want to rebuild, we want to sort of reignite passion and energy and whatever the new normal, let's say, is. But I would say getting caught up on return. We're going to go back. It's going to be like this or the was that it's different. We're all different now. And so losing (laughs) this return concept wholeheartedly and reinvent is the word I've been really leading. Oh, so that's what I was going to ask you. How would you reframe that? Yeah. I'd reframe it from return to reinvent, reinventing work, reinventing the office. We have now people distributed all over the world more than ever before. We have 
people coming in different hours. There's a lot of analog work, a lot of asynchronous work. What does that mean? I think there's so much opportunity, especially to get different kinds of work styles in, build more inclusive workforces, but we have to be really intentional about it. Love it. Reinvent, I think rethink as well. Yeah, um, exactly. How we do yeah. things. I love it. So what are you most hopeful about when you think of leadership today? I'm most hopeful about the flip side of that is the listening, is that you know, over the last few years, society, the workforce have spoken out when they've They've seen things that haven't been working. You know, after the murder of George Floyd, the racial justice movement that took place worldwide, people speaking out. I think the great resignation is people speaking out against what isn't working for them to feel like they're not connected to the work, like there wasn't the flexibility they needed, the balance. There wasn't that purpose or they weren't getting paid enough that's sustainable, you know, having needs met. And I'm hopeful about a real tuning in to or having to listen because people are feeling more empowered or taking action to be more vocal and to taking a stand. And I think it has the power to really transform the workplace and to make it a place where it doesn't just work for some people, but it works more for more people. It can be more equitable and more people can benefit from it. And it enhances that connection. Yeah. Especially now. So that's super important. Yeah. All right. So you have an option here, Leah. You can take a question from a former guest, or you can share a challenge, a struggle that you learned from. Let's take a question from a former guest. All right. So Cheryl Mobley wants to know, what was a pivotal moment for you? Like what drove you to step into this responsibility of leadership? My story and what I talk a lot about in the book is you know, all the stories I share are things that happen to me firsthand, the frustration, the struggles, the hearing no over and over, even if I was a high performer or was, had a good relationship with my manager, kind of feeling stuck in all these situations. I think the pivotal moment was doing a job that was very similar a third time and seeing the same challenges come up in a different company in a different set of people in a different environment, different time and saying, oh, okay, this is really clear. (laughs) These are patterns, these are happening. This is not just about me or my manager or the set of people, the product we're working on. No, these are sort of deep issues that show up on every single team. And and when that happened the third time, I felt both validated in this hypothesis that I had and also reignited with passion that this is really sort of this X-ray vision or kind of spidey sense, I like to say, like around having my radar and seeing really quickly what wasn't working on a team was something that I didn't want to just ignore in silence and just sort of like do it some other person's way. And that's when I really started to say, you know, if someone doesn't want to hear that there's these sort of interpersonal issues in the way getting work done, I'll keep reframing how I explain it or talk about it or problem solve it or champion it, but I'm not going to not talk about it. And I'm not going to pretend that work can get done under the timelines we want to get done and the quality we want to get done without addressing these things. And I think that's really an exercise of reframing of saying, if this isn't working, it's time to revisit my approach and it's time to revisit you know, how I'm looking at this, but it doesn't mean I'm wrong or shouldn't do it. You know, what you talk about spidey sense to me is the intuition. You're deeply yeah. intuitive and very self-aware. Now, have you always been that way? Because some kids are, some kids are intuitive, very rare, but there are also times when you have that pivotal moment where you're like, 
oh, I'm so tired of this. Like you, you just said something that yeah. came up three times. By this time you understood, okay, this is a pattern. You talk about unstuck. I love that title because I speak about being stuck in my life for a long, long time. And then I started to become more self-aware and ask myself these questions so that I can get unstuck because I saw those patterns. Uh, Why am I here again? Okay, let's learn yeah. this, Lily. So tell us about how you arrived at your spidey sense. Like when did you realize <laughs> that you had spidey sense? I think as a pretty sensitive kid, I would say, I think it was one of those where it was always there. And it's funny, I see it in my daughter now as a three-year-old, which is really cool to see. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a blessing and a curse. <laughs> but it's definitely, I think it does more than good. I would say, yeah, something I noticed about myself as a kid and really started to take shape as I was in some of my first jobs where I had to organize groups of people that I would sort of, we'll start with, let's figure out how we want to work together and let's build a little bit of camaraderie and let's get to know each other and let's share a little bit and be a little vulnerable. And I think as I started learning more in later years about psychological safety, I think that was where that intuition around what would make me feel comfortable in a group and me feel like I belong and sort of establishing little team rituals, which I later learned in the book, The Culture Code by Dan Coyle was seen as these belonging cues. Like these were things that came somewhat intuitively to me because when I would try them, people, it resonated with it. It would work really well and it'd make work more fun. It would make things get done more smoothly. And so it's something I started experimenting early on that because it just made things so much easier and work more, so much more enjoyable and made it just more pleasant to be around people. When we had done this work. It's something I never wanted to give up on and let go of. I love that you're bringing this to the table because it is one of the most important things that leaders can do to become self-aware and to add value to those around them. So I really appreciate yeah. the work that you're doing. Now, as a listener of this podcast, what's a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about? I'm curious, what's a piece of advice or tip that they heard that seemed really, really promising, really exciting to try out? And when they tried it, it didn't work out. And what did they learn from that situation? Leah, I love this question. So I want to ask that question of you. There was a few tips that I tried that at first glance didn't work. And then I kind of figure out why. So I would say there's this book, How Women Rise, that talks about 12 traps that women fall into in the workplace. Based on this framework, what got you here won't get you there. And it's written by Sally Huggleson and Marshall Goldsmith, sort of how women can break through these and not fall into these traps. And there was a few that I had tried. I tried all 12 of them and, and uh, Good for you. I kept bringing the, to, to some traps. One was putting your work out there and talking about some of the great things you had done. The problem with that tip was the problem with a lot of strategies when we read them at face value is we don't do the work to connect. Well, how do I do that in a way that's authentic to me? Right. And so I read this book and I'm like, okay, I got a list of 12 things. I'm going to do them right now. I'm going to do all 12. And I just said, okay, talk about my work. Okay. Ask for a promotion. Okay. Go for the raise. And it was because I hadn't internalized what is actually getting in the way right now for me even doing those things. And so first, what I would try is I would become frustrated and say, this doesn't work for me. Why does this stuff continue to not work? It doesn't work when I try it. And then what I realized actually rereading the book a second time and starting to rebuild it and reframe my relationship with feedback was that 
there was feedback that I was getting that I wasn't seeing. When I was talking about my work, it wasn't in a way that was connecting the dots around the narrative behind it or really connecting the dots of why it was important for the organization. And these are strategies that I talk about in my book around, you know, how to do things like communicating about our impact in a way that's authentic to us. Since it can make us uncomfortable to talk about our accomplishments, we're believing a narrative that it's bragging or something, or we don't want to show off or no one cares. So then we talk through that lens, like, oh, no one really cares. I kind of did this thing, whatever. Well, people are going to think it's whatever if that's the way we're talking about And so the lesson I learned from this book, now one of my favorite books about leadership, this this How Women Rise, was to think about any time you're making a change in something, you're trying something new to think about what is the authentic application to you? And then what feedback do you want to be tuning into as you're doing that? And how do you want to shift your approach? How do you want to really be in touch with, with signals you're getting before you feel like you did it in a way you wouldn't have wanted to do? You know, as you're talking, I'm picking up some cues here. And one of the things, you are extremely resilient and a high-level learner. Like, you love learning. You're highly curious. And you're resilient in that you not only read the book, you did all the tips. You you tried all the (laughs) tips. And then when it didn't work, you read the book again. Like, most of us wouldn't have done that. We would have said, oh, this shit doesn't work. (laughs) Let me put it. But I love how you think things through. And you reflect on situations. And so that's higher level. And I'd love that you're bringing that to us because as leaders, we need to always up level. And I think part of it is if you really want something, if it's really important to you as a leader, if that's accomplishing this goal or motivating a team or inspiring people, or if it's for yourself, achieving some accomplishment or, you know, landing something big when we're really in touch with how important that is to us and what values that honors, I think we can start to build that resilience and going back and saying, okay, this didn't work out. I was disappointed. I might've been frustrated. And yet I still want this thing. It's not like, forget it. I'm going to just do something else now. And I think touch with what we want and why it's important to us. I think we're able to do that even after a number of rejections or setbacks or letdowns we can keep picking ourselves back up. It doesn't surprise me that you would write a book with the title Unstuck because that's your life, (laughs) right? Yeah. Um, And so it's again, Unstuck by Leah Garvin. We can get it at any uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, but get it because it is vital, especially for leadership. When we get unstuck, then we open up possibilities, not just for ourselves, but for other people, for those around us. And it's really a responsibility we have. I'm going to get this book, but I love the title. I love the concept and I love that you're helping us lead better. And so is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? And thank you so much. So happy to be here. And I really enjoyed this conversation. And I would say to leaders out there, like you said, I love your point. Like not only think about when we're feeling stuck, how that's impacting ourselves, but how it's impacting our teams and the people around us. And knowing that we have so much more 
impact than we realize sometimes. And doing that inner work, being reflective and recognize that impact is critical. And when something isn't working, instead of going into a spiral of judgment and self-criticism of saying, okay, what else is here? Like you mentioned earlier in our conversation, asking ourselves questions to get out of the spiral, to thinking about more generatively what's possible, what am I overlooking? And then approaching a challenge with empathy, like what might be going on with the other person? What might be here that I'm not noticing? Great question. Leah, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Take care. Talk soon. Bye. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.